by a show of hands, how many people were able to enjoy July 4th? A lot. How many people went to somebody else's house? And how many people went to fireworks? And then the last, the most important question, how many people had a lot of food and probably ate too much? All right. Did you know that in the week leading up to July 4th, Americans bought over 700 million pounds of chicken? On top of that, they bought over 190 million pounds of red meat and barbecue or, or pork. And they spent, we, Americans, spent $6.2 billion on July 4th. It's phenomenal. The scary stat that popped out at me was we ate, consumed, over 150 million hot dogs on July 4th. So uh, we should be proud of that. The... Uh, the people that had that stat also said if you, if you laid the hot dogs, 150 million hot dogs from end to end, it would make the distance from Washington, D.C. to Los Angeles over five times. I couldn't take that at face value, so I did a little home experiment last night and uh, <laughs> pulled out the hot dog from the refrigerator and measured it. It was a sabrette hot dog, so seven inches. Did the calculations, seven inches times 150 million divided by 12 to get feet, and then looked at the miles, calculated that. Then I went on Google, uh, Google Maps, and did the distance from 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Who lives there? President, all right. So President Obama, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, all the way to the Staples Center in LA. And it was 6.2, I think because subrettes are longer than those little red North Carolina hot dogs. But uh, the, the, the sad thing is all that money, all those people involved, we were all pretty busy about July 4th, and yet ABC released last week that one in five high school age teenagers in America don't know why we celebrate July 4th. You know, I, I use July 4th ever since I've been up here, but this week I've been saying Happy Independence Day to people, and I think that stat holds with adults too, because they, they looked at me uh, like my dog does, sort of tilted the head, and they didn't understand that. But uh, Happy Independence Day. The sad thing is traditions sometimes lose meaning, and we observe these traditions not knowing why we do. It seems like July 4th is almost that time where we, it's a milestone in the summer where we've really hit our stride for being summertime, right? We know Memorial Day starts the summer. It's the milestone we stick in the ground and say, okay, it's summer. Let it come on, right? We're enjoying life. And then by July 4th weekend, we're really hitting our stride. We're having people over. We're going out. We have swim team and swim events. We're out in the sun, going to the beach as often as possible as displayed here. And sometimes we have people over at the drop of the hat without any foreknowledge of, we just say, let's have a party. And that happened to my wife and I a couple years ago. My wife Susan and I were out in the yard all day. It was a Saturday. We had just cleaned up after doing that. We were figuring out what we wanted for dinner and the phone rang. We were the only ones home at the time. None of our kids were there. I don't know why, but it was a good night. And um, the phone rang and it was Graham. He had spent the day at his friend's house and he had called to tell us that the, his friend's parents invited us over for dinner. So uh, we had nothing else to do and uh, we decided, you know, after the, the questions to make sure it was real, um, he, he informed us that uh, they were having a group of people over. 
Um, it was summertime. They just thought, hey, let's grab a bunch of people, have them over for dinner. And, and Graham was there, so they invited, told Graham to invite us over. So we, we were pretty excited, actually. We, we know this family. We're, we love this family. We were good friends with, this, our, with them. Our kids were very close at one time. We were very close to them. We had gone on family vacations together. But the interesting thing is, as you know, life, the seasons in life change sometimes, and sometimes that impacts our friendships as well. And that's what happened with this couple is our kids were going to different schools, we were going to different churches, and it seemed like the paths of life no longer intersected, and we just never saw them anymore. In fact, it had been over a year since we had talked to them, so we were pretty excited to get the invitation, and we had already cleaned up, so we jumped in the car and headed on over. They don't live too far away, and uh, we drove into the driveway next to all the cars were there, and we were coming up to, to the door, and we heard people laughing in what we knew to be the dining area right beside the front door. So we were, you know, sort of giggling, saying, hey, this is awesome timing, right? No small talk. We walk in right as they're sitting down for dinner. We strap on the feedback and we can eat, right? We ring the doorbell and uh, the husband, father answers the door. And before he could say anything, I put my hand in his and said, thanks for the invitation. It means a lot to me. And his response was, what invitation? No worries. Now, I know this guy to be the guy who played tons of practical jokes on me through the years, so I wasn't going to have any of, of it. And I put my overconfident hat on, sort of pushed him in the chest to the side and said, ah, I don't want to hear it. And Susan and I walked by and I said, our boys just called and said you invited us to dinner. So we walk in, bound into the house. And as we turn the corner, Susan reaches out for, to the, his wife and says, hey, thanks for the invitation. We really appreciate it and hugs her. And when she backs away from the hug, she looks at her same, same response. What invitation? Now, what we found out later was that our boys conspired against us, and they thought in their little minds that uh, all they needed was a situation where they could put all four of our adults, the, the adults of the two families, in a room, and that time spent apart would be erased away, and we become good friends again, and we would get together as families and have that fun that we used to have together as families. And in that moment, I turned to the right and realized what they failed to consider in their little plan. That was the other 20 to 30 people sitting down at dinner that we had no idea who they were. In fact, well, I got to be honest with you, I don't know who they were. The uh, sort of the combination between embarrassment and, uh, and just being the inappropriate, uninvited guest sort of blurred my vision, and I didn't even know who that was. But needless to say, we tried to make that visit as short as possible. They were very gracious, introduced us to everybody. Um, I think we gave them a lot of uh, material to laugh at as we left, but we graciously said thank you and departed. We look back on that now and laugh. It was not funny at the time. It is with that experience, being the uninvited guest who's not prepared to share dinner with somebody, that I come to you in preparation for our Lord's Supper. Today we get to, uh, we have the privilege of celebrating communion. We call it the Lord's Supper or the Lord's Table. And uh, it's too important to forget the meaning from, like we do in July 4th and the other traditions that we observe in, in the United States or in life in general. And, and we can find ourselves 
losing the meaning or not even knowing the meaning if we don't study uh, why it's important. Communion was given to us, most of us know, from Jesus himself. You know, he was celebrating Passover with his disciples. And uh, Passover itself is a celebration of remembrance, of the passing over of the firstborn Israelites in Egypt when the, the death angel would pass over and take the life of all the firstborn in Egypt. And, and Jesus was sharing that, and that's when he instituted or gave us communion to remember what he was about to do. His blood and his sacrifice on the cross took the place of Passover, and communion today takes the place of Passover because his body and blood is our sacrifice. So we as elders have decided this year to focus on when we do communion, why we celebrate communion to begin with. And if you've been around since the beginning of the year, you've seen some of that. In January, John Abel talked about remembrance. Communion, the table here is a table of remembrance where we remember Christ's sacrifice and his blood on the cross. In March, we talked about proclamation. It's a table of proclamation. We proclaim the meaning of his death. Last time, uh, in May, Brian talked and taught us about how this is a table of fellowship. We as believers who know Christ and walk with him can have fellowship because we have that common relationship with Christ and we have that common purpose or that common cause, the mission of the gospel. And that means something as we gather together and celebrate communion. Today, I'm going to talk about self-examination. And in the future, we'll talk about expectation. Not only do we remember as we celebrate communion, but this is a table of expectation. We look forward with hope in the coming and expect Christ to come again. And then at Thanksgiving, we'll, we'll finish it up with our, our focus on why we celebrate communion with that this is a table of Thanksgiving. So we've been focused on these themes, and today, self-examination, I want you to join me in 1 Corinthians 11, if you can open your Bibles. You'll find this is where there's a lot of lessons to be learned about communion. Paul, obviously, is writing to the Corinthians and he's sharing to them or pointing out to them that they're not observing communion correctly. But he's pointing out what is important and why. And it, we'll pick up in verse 27. But this is after he's already talked about what Jesus taught us in communion. We're going to observe that in just a little bit. But picking up in 27, he, he, he talks about this. And he says, Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment for himself. Examine yourself. Let a person examine himself then. What does that mean? Well, the, the Greek word that Paul uses there to examine means to put to a test, like we do with precious metals, like gold. If we're testing the genuineness of gold, we put it in the fire and we see the 
imperfections pop out and, and people that know all that metallurgy will get that. But uh, you test it in the fire. And that's what Paul is telling us to do as we prepare for the table here is to put ourselves to the test to see, one, if we're invited guests and two, if we're prepared to participate. So as we do that, I, I urge you to really sink down, focus on examining yourself, and put yourself to the test today. I want to talk about three basic things as we look at examining ourselves, and that, that is what we examine, how we examine, and then so what, right? If we do examine, then what? Well, the, the first one, I think I skipped that, the why we examine, then what and how. But why we examine is pretty easy. It's in verse 28, and it follows the, the command to, uh, to examine ourselves. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. The purpose of examination, self-examination, is so that we can come to the table and we can participate. It's, this is not intended to disqualify us. It's, to inten- it's intended for us to make sure we're prepared and we can benefit from what this means. So that's why we do it. Then the what, the first thing is you have to ask yourself, am I invited? You know, when we got that call from Graham, we should have asked, am I really invited? We did. He felt that uh, a little... Lie was the ends justify the means if he got us there. That'd be great. But today, you're invited to participate with us. But you need to to decide or understand whether you truly are invited. Communion is for believers, people who have given their life to Christ. If you have not done that, if you're on your spiritual journey and you have not made that decision to follow Christ and to give your life to him, we ask that you let the plate pass by. And it says, the penalty of it is that it is not right for us to participate if we are not believers, if we do it in, a, in an inappropriate manner. So let it pass. The other question that we would ask, should ask of ourselves is, am I prepared Not only am I invited, I am invited, I know Christ, but am I prepared? Is there anything that is standing between me and my relationship with God right now? That doesn't necessarily mean the list of sins that I've done this week, but it's what I've done about that. Have I given them over to Christ? Have I confessed those and repented and continue to walk with him? We still make mistakes and we still sin. But you'll know if there's a barrier between you and your relationship with God. Have you put something over to the side and not allowing him to touch it? Are you doing something in your life that you know is wrong? That's a barrier. Again, the intent of the self-examination is so that we can participate in this. So we'd encourage you to deal with that today. You can confess that and give that over to, to God today. And once you examine yourself in that way, the last what we examine is, is the, the, the communion of the body. We do this as a body of believers. And 
God wants us to make sure we're prepared to share that with each other. We need each other as a body, and we work together as a body. But is there a barrier between you and somebody else in the body? And does that need to be dealt with before you participate? Again, the the intent of self-examination is so that we can participate. So if you can deal with those things today and make those right, God's listening, obviously. And if that person is in this room, we encourage you to, to stand up and walk over and make that right. So ask those questions. Am I invited? Am I prepared? And am I prepared to receive community among our body? And then how do we examine? It's pretty clear there. And I think it's pretty refreshing to hear this. Let a person examine himself. Doesn't tell me to go to my pastor, priest, friend, wife, spouse, parent, teacher. It is not a confessional where we go and have to sit down and make sure we pass that test. This is between me and God. And only that is required. And if you think about it, only that can be a genuine examination. We know what's true, not what we tell somebody else. Sometimes we hedge those corners a little bit. But examine yourself. And it's pretty neat that God allows us to do that, to come to him individually. The other way we look at how we examine ourselves is seriously and humbly we come to the table and, and, and we examine ourselves that way as also. This is the Lord's Supper. It's not a July 4th picnic, right? We're inviting you to participate, but you have to be the one to examine yourself to see if you're ready to participate. It's a serious deal because this is where we get to have communion with God. And this is a remembrance of what he did for us so that we can grow in him. So we humbly come to the table. We know that we are not worthy. It's not a, a, a statement of I'm perfect, fully sanctified, fully clean, but I am walking in that path where God has paid that penalty for me and I'm walking with him. So what? You know, we always think about doing the different ceremonies or observances that we do and we do it because it's out of respect and we can fall into that that downfall I think as well with communion where okay I've examined myself I'm a Christian I'm invited I'm walking with him I'm laying my mistakes my sins down before him I'm confessing them and I'm repenting turning away and trying to walk with him better every day so let's observe so what Well, the whole purpose of this is to remember him. It says, do so in remembrance of me, Christ told his disciples. So once we examine ourselves and we are invited and prepared, then we get to partake and participate with God at his table. And we do that as we take the cup and take the bread We do that in remembrance of him. And if if you're like me, that's a pretty heavy time to know 
what that means, that he gave his life for me, that I may know him. And we should be able to experience him one-on-one during this time as real. And if you're like me, you'll leave here with a renewed purpose and equipping for this week. So what I'd like to do now is ask you to examine yourself. We'll, in just a couple minutes, be ready to take and participate in communion. I'd like you to take some time just to bow your heads and examine yourself. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today, for allowing us to come before you at this table. And Father, we ask that you challenge us individually, challenge me to examine myself, that we can clearly know that we're a part of your family, and then whether we're prepared or not. And Father, I I pray that if someone here is not prepared, if there are things they need to deal with, one, if they can make it right today, I pray that you'll help them to do that. And then if not, you'll help instruct them to let the tray pass. But Father, help us now to examine ourselves. Amen. As the deacons and elders come, I want to explain how we observe communion here at Northwest. We consider this table to be an open table. Obviously, I just talked about, you need, to be, you need to be part of the family. But you don't need to be part of the Northwest family, just a part of the greater body of Christ. If you've given your life to Christ and walk with him, we encourage you to participate in communion with us. And like we just examined ourselves, if you're not prepared to take communion, we encourage you to let it pass. It's been a refreshing thing here at Northwest to see that, where you'll never see anybody jab you and encourage you to take it or make fun of you or talk to you afterwards. This is between you and God. So let it pass if you're not prepared. Then logistically, We take communion where we 
give you communion in, in two plastic cups stacked upon one another. The bottom cup has a cracker and the top cup has juice. We ask you to take both out of the, the plate and then pass it on. And then we'll wait until everybody has it and we'll take communion together. As Paul taught the Corinthians, we read that uh, Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Father, we praise your name. and We praise who you are for the sacrifice you made giving your son so that we may know you. And Father, we remember that sacrifice, the penalty, the pain, and the glory now, the gift that we have in you. And I pray that you will equip us now, help us to remember this as we leave this room. Help us to live closer in a closer walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. I noticed you laughing about not putting your cups in with the offering. But we only give these instructions because this has happened. You understand, all right? Yeah, we realize, you know, we sit around in our staff meetings every Tuesday and we evaluate our services and try to improve and make sure we work out kinks. And um, first Sunday we took the share offering, we realized that uh, people were giving as an offering their communion cups as well, and we were thankful for that, but uh, we'd prefer just uh, cash or checks in this particular offering that we're taking. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for being faithful uh, with the share fund uh, as well. You remember back in February as we ended up our series in the book of Galatians, uh, we came to that passage in Galatians that says, do good to all men, especially those that are of the household of faith. And we use that as an opportunity really to institute this offering here at Northwest. And we have established this separate fund in which we care for the needs of people inside our body and uh, in our community and then literally around the globe. And uh, most recently, uh, outside of our body, we've been helping our, uh, our African partners uh, in Kenya, uh, that many of you have heard me talk about this, that are uh, in the midst of uh, famine. We've been sending money on a regular basis in order for our pastors down there to buy food and to distribute that food. A pretty overwhelming task, actually, because there are so many that are hungry, so many that need food, and we can't possibly meet all those needs. And sometimes we have a habit of just because we can't do it, uh, everything, we don't do anything. And I think that that's uh, a bad precedence uh, for us to set. And so we've decided to do what we can do. And uh, we are making a difference uh, with that uh, group of people about 10 hours uh, outside of Nairobi. So thanks for being faithful uh, to give to our share fund. Well, since we started Northwest, uh, one thing that's been a passion of ours is that we be a a people of irresistible influence. In fact, we uh, spent uh, a good portion of uh, February and March leading up to our capital campaign and talking about that very thing, about 
what it means for us to be a people and a place of irresistible influence. We focused a lot upon a place uh, since obviously uh, we're going to be building our first uh, facility here in the next uh, several months. Uh, But I want to talk with you briefly this morning about that aspect of being a people of influence. I want to ask you if you believe that you are a person of influence. I would submit to you that I think all of us are people of influence. Bad influence or good influence. I was a youth pastor long enough to know that uh, both are there, right? Even in the context of a student ministry, it was amazing how uh, we had particular kids that could be an incredible influence at camp for evil, for bad. It was also amazing that they could find themselves in a group of five or 600 other people. It's like a beacon would be sent out and they would find each other and they would influence one another and other people. We can also obviously be a positive uh, influence, and that's certainly what we have in mind when we say we want to be a people of irresistible uh, influence. If you've been around Northwest for any length of time, you know that uh, typically in the month of either August or September, uh, we've done what's called Serve Your City. Uh, It's an opportunity for us to be intentionally influential in our city. And we've done various uh, projects from Habitat uh, for Humanity to uh, the McDonald House, uh, Ronald McDonald House to shelters. We've done all kinds of things. And, and that happens, by the way, on a regular basis through our life groups uh, right here at Northwest. And this year we decided to mix it up a little bit. And what we're going to ask a number of you to do is to host a a block party, a cul-de-sac party, a neighborhood party, or something like that in your particular neighborhood just for the purpose of getting to know other people in your neighborhood. You don't influence typically those that you don't know unless you're a famous person and there probably aren't too many of us that are here today. You influence the people that you know, that you intentionally build relationships with in your neighborhood. Many of you uh, may be, I, I hope you're not, but some of you might be like my neighbor. Uh, my neighbor comes home and as I see him coming down the street, he gets the garage door just as soon as it will connect with the transmitter. You know what I'm talking about, right? And that garage door starts to lift and then just as soon as, he times it perfectly. And he, he pulls into and that garage is just coming up far enough and he gets in there And it's amazing, I haven't even heard the car door open yet, and it is going shut again, all right? He's a rather introverted guy. I think I intimidate him. I don't don't mean to. I really don't. I I really want to be his friend. Um, But he's made it very clear that he's not really comfortable interacting. Maybe it's just me, too. I, (laughs) I was just thinking, maybe that's the reason he does it. Maybe he doesn't do it with other people. But that's not being influential. He will never have an influence on me, and quite frankly, I'll never have an influence on him unless I find some way to spend time with him, and that's what this is all about. And so we uh, have been doing a little bit of brainstorming over the last uh, few weeks, and we've decided that we're really going to challenge a number of you to do just this, uh, to host a block party, to host a neighborhood party, a cul-de-sac party. Some of you immediately, I'm looking at Pepe back there, and Pepe's going, I got this, I got this. Pepe and Shelly are going, we got this, we do this all the time, this is easy, you know, we're going to make this happen. Others of you are going, I would never do that. Like, I would never invite strange people to eat with me on the street. That's just, like, weird to me. All right? So we get it's not for everybody, but for a lot of you, it will be. I know I live in Cary Park. There are a number of uh, families at Northwest that live in Cary Park. I'm going to invite some people that they don't know. Hopefully, they'll invite people I don't know. And we'll spend an hour or two together just eating and getting to know uh, one another. 
Hopefully I'll get to know their friends. Uh, They'll never show up at Northwest then. They'll get to know my friends, and maybe then my friends will actually come to Northwest. And um, we'll just seek to be uh, influential people by building a relationship. So there are going to be other projects that we're going to be able to do uh, during that uh, time period. Uh, But beginning next week, uh, stay tuned for that because we're going to be talking with you a little bit more about that. Some of you, again, this has you written all over it. And it'll be a great opportunity for you to be a person uh, of influence uh, in your neighborhood, in your community. We want to help, with you, help you with that and encourage you uh, to do that. Um, also, just before uh, we sing one last song, I, w- I want to pray with you this morning uh, as we uh, close our service. But just want to update you on a few things that are going on. We have a few minutes here at the end of the service. Uh, we had several people that had surgery this week. Uh, Two in particular, uh, Sue Russolo uh, had surgery at Duke uh, this week, and Michelle Lee had uh, surgery, and uh, they've both come through those surgeries well and uh, are anticipating a good recovery and good prognosis uh, ongoing, but if you'd remember to pray for them. And uh, many of you know and love Brian and Marcia Johnston and their family. Uh, Brian's dad found out just a few weeks ago that he uh, had esophageal cancer, uh, which is a, a very serious uh, form of cancer, typically. And they found out about a week ago that that uh, cancer is spread pretty extensively uh, in his body. And uh, unless uh, the Lord intervenes, which we certainly believe he's capable of doing, uh, Brian's dad, uh, Dave, will, will probably go to be with the Lord. And uh, as you can imagine, some of us have had those situations where somebody has just uh, gone in because they weren't feeling well and then all of a sudden had a diagnosis like that. You know where Brian and Marsha are right now and uh, Brian's uh, brother and their uh, extended family. And I just ask you to, to, uh, to pray uh, for them. Uh, they're spending a lot of time in Pinehurst. That's where uh, Brian's uh, parents uh, live. And so as you have opportunity and as you think about them during the week, please uh, pray for that family. And then my sweet friend, Sue Lau, is sitting down here this morning, and she um, had an MRI this week and waiting to hear some news uh, about a trial drug uh, with Duke. And um, it's just amazing. Sue just keeps kicking. She's like the Energizer bunny, you know, and she just keeps going and, and is doing so uh, with grace and with great dependency uh, upon the Lord. It's been a, a blessing uh, for us as a church family to see uh, how God has done that uh, in her life, and um, she's just trusting. God's got a perfect plan for her life. We say all the time around here, God's too uh, good to be unkind, and he's too wise uh, to make a mistake, and that's certainly been true in Sue's life. And So pray for she and Ronnie as they uh, walk this path and as we walk it with them uh, together, and uh, as she anticipates getting on that uh, new drug, we'd love to see that happen uh, as well. And then pray for our building process. I know I've said this several times, but I want to remind you to pray for, pray for sewage. You'll never do this again probably in your life, but it really is important. And um, there are just so many things that are going on, so many things, good things, so many things I'd like to tell you uh, that I can't share everything with you, but God is still moving, God's still at work. We told, we told you we closed uh, on our property, and uh, we have a bridge loan until we close with our builder here in just a few months when we uh, get site plan approval. We're hoping here in the next few weeks, too, that we might be able to, um, uh, to have an opportunity for us to at least meet in small groups on the property. Um, I've taken a few people on, uh, on I, I guess you'd call it a nature walk. I've taken some people uh, all, all around the property. I took Bruce Radcliffe yesterday. I'm not sure he actually wanted to go on a nature hike with me, but he ended up, he did. And uh, we said, hey, wouldn't it be great for uh, a number of us uh, to be able to do that? So just keep praying. Uh, God's doing some really uh, cool things and 
hopefully we'll be able to share those with you uh, in the upcoming weeks. And then uh, just before we pray, pray for our kids that are at camp this week. About uh, 50 of them left at five o'clock this morning. Somebody said to me, like, do you want to get on the bus and go? Like you did that for 20 years. And I went, no, I don't. Absolutely. I do not want to. You know, I don't miss it at all. When I, when I was done with that season of my life, I'm done. And I'm looking at Adam go, be warm, be filled, my son. Have a great and wonderful and awesome time. Take care of my daughter. But I don't want to go with you. Uh, but they are having an incredible time. I know they will have an incredible time. Uh, there's about 50 students that are on the bus. Pray for them. I know that some of the most significant decisions that I have made in my life were made at camp. And I know that's probably true of a number of you uh, as well. And so just pray uh, for those uh, young men and young ladies uh, that God will, will do just incredible things uh, in their life this week and that they'll have safety uh, as they uh, travel. Long bus ride, they're going to northern Michigan. You say, why are they going there? Because it's an awesome camp with awesome facilities, awesome counselors, great teaching, uh, from God's word, and you can trust me as a guy that did it for 20 years, it's worth, it's worth the bus ride for sure. So pray for those kids this week. We really want to see God do something uh, really great uh, in their lives. All right, if you would stand with me and uh, we're going to pray and uh, then we'll sing one last uh, song together uh, before we leave. Let's pray. God, thank you for your goodness and your grace to us. We're thankful certainly for the independence and the freedom that we enjoy in the United States of America. But God, so much more than that, more than any freedom that we might enjoy in an earthly country, God, we're so thankful for the freedom that we have from the bondage of sin because, you're, because you loved us enough to send your son Jesus to suffer and bleed and die on a cross as a payment for our sin. God, we celebrate that this morning because that is the greatest freedom to be free from the bondage, from the penalty of sin when we place our trust in Christ alone as our Savior. Thanks for the opportunity to remember that today. God, thanks for those that are in our midst that have had successful surgeries this week. We pray that you'll continue to minister to them and heal their bodies fully and completely. God, I pray for Dave Johnston this morning. Pray that you will just give him the peace that passes understanding. And I pray that you uh, will do whatever it is that you will do in his life for his good and for uh, your glory. God, I thank you for my sweet friend, uh, Sue. And I thank you for uh, the good and, and, and gracious work that you've done in her life. I thank you for the sweet spirit that she has had and for the faith that she is exhibiting in her life on a daily basis. And I pray that you'd continue to give her peace and uh, give Ronnie peace as they uh, make decisions about treatments, maybe even uh, here in the next uh, week. And uh, we pray again, as we just prayed for Dave, God, that you would do what you do for uh, their good and ultimately for uh, your glory. And God, we do pray for our kids as they're traveling right now to camp. God, use your spirit right now to prepare their young hearts for what they'll hear this week. I pray for some that uh, jumped on that bus this morning that don't know Jesus as their personal Savior. I pray that this week they'd come into a, a life-changing, uh, eternity-altering relationship with Jesus. For others, God, that know you but uh, uh, are not walking with you the way they ought to be walking with you, God, use this week. For others that are striving to walk with you uh, but just need to be challenged in their faith, their, their faith needs to be strengthened. They need to have a greater zeal and enthusiasm for the things of God. God, I pray that you do that this week. I pray for Adam. 
Thanks for him. Thanks for his ministry to our kids and for the other leaders that are there. Use them in a big way uh, this week. Uh, God, we love you. Uh, We're thankful for uh, your love for us and how it was demonstrated on the cross. And it's because of that that we sing these songs and we sing them with our voices full of joy and full of gratefulness for what you've done for us. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.